Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Welcome back to the Corner of Truth. Today I want to talk to you about, as I mentioned yesterday, about the two-year dilemma. I call it the two-year dilemma. When Muslims come to our country, I believe we have like a two-year window to reach them with the gospel. If we don't reach them within the first two years, then it's going to get harder and harder to evangelize them. And uh, and I'll explain that here in a moment. Uh, Let me say this. There are two big issues. When we look at uh, immigrants coming, there's, you know, it's like a double-edged sword. Uh, It slices both ways. And there's a good side to it because there's an opportunity to evangelize people that we as Christians have not been able to evangelize. But the other side is that they bring with them Islam, even though 80% of them tend to be coming here to get away from the tyranny of Islam. They bring Islam with them. They can't help themselves. I saw this in Europe. Muslims that came to Europe, um, most of them were moderates. Most of them were non-practicing. And yet, Sharia law became part of the legal code in Britain after about 60 years of Muslims living amongst us here in the West. They couldn't help themselves. It wasn't the radical Muslims. It wasn't the militant Muslims that brought Sharia law to Britain. It was the moderate, pretty much non-practicing Muslims that influenced the UK government to capitulate and permit them to have their Sharia law courts with the backing of the UK government to enforce the decisions that are done in these courts. Now, of course, it's all voluntary for a person to submit to it. But once you do submit to it, then you're obligated to carrying out, and that's where the government is obligated to enforcement. And so let's look what the Bible says. We are instructed as Christians that when strangers, when foreigners, when, uh, when immigrants come to live amongst us, that we're to love them. And treat them as ourselves. Here's what the Bible says. Leviticus 19, 33 and 34. And if a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, ye shall not vex him. But if the stranger that dwelleth with you, but the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you. And thou shalt love him as thyself. For ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So as God says to the children of Israel, you know, if, if foreigners come, strangers come, and they live amongst you, don't vex them. Treat them as if they were one born amongst you. Love them as you would love yourself. After all, remember, you were one time a stranger in a foreign land. And it is difficult. I mean, I've lived overseas. I've traveled as a missionary. And there are adjustments, cultural adjustments that you have to deal with and there's difficulty and when they come you know they want to bring some of their culture with them and when they do we need to be careful because the bible also tells us that when they come they need to live by your law by your custom let me read the bible says leviticus chapter 24 verse 22 ye shall have one manner of law as well for the stranger as for one of your own 
country, for I am the Lord your God. Numbers 9.14. Ye shall have one ordinance, both for the stranger and for him that was born in the land. Now, if you say, well, this is just talking about having one law, that it applies to all. doesn't mean that you should uh, also insist of customs. Well, look at Numbers 15, 14. And if a stranger sojourn with you, and whosoever be among you in your generations, and will offer an offering made by fire, fire, and of a sweet savor unto the Lord, as ye do, so shall he do. So in your worship, it's not just how you do your laws, how your laws. Now, when it comes to your worship, it's the same thing in your worship. And let's look at the next verse, uh, verse 16. One law and one manner shall be for you and for the stranger that sojourneth with you. So it's not just your law, but it's also your mannerisms. Well, your mannerisms makes up your customs. So in your religion, in your legal system, in your mannerism, in your in your customs, we should expect strangers to adapt, to comply, and assimilate into the culture that they've chosen to become their home. Out of your graciousness, you received them. They should be expecting, and we should expect of them, to assimilate into the culture that we have. Now, this really has nothing to do with racism. Remember, the Bible says in Acts 17, 26, God only made one race, the human race, and he hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the times and before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. And so God only made one blood, one you know, uh, humankind for all nations. And so this has nothing to do with racism. And so now when Muslims come to us, they come from many different races uh, or many different countries and nationalities. And not every Arab is a Muslim and not every Muslim is an Arab. Only 15% of the Muslims in the world are Arabs. Most of the Muslims that I've worked with in my life, for the most part, have been from Asia, from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. A few years back, I was working with Persians, with Iranian uh, Muslims. For the first time now in my life, I'm working with Arab Muslims that are coming from Syria. And so there are a whole blend of nationalities of Muslims that are coming here. We're seeing now Afghani Muslims. We were seeing Somalian immigrants coming into our country. Now let's talk about the two-year dilemma. When they first come here, they're coming to us with their hat in their hand, so to speak. They're, everything's new. Everything, you know, the culture's new. Everything that they've been told about Christianity, they're learning is somewhat false. You know, they are finding that, hey, they're actually Christians who live godly lives and are living in, in reverence to the word and, and honor their God and fear their God and, and all this. And so they, they, they come and then they see some Christians here that just, you know, they're like Muslims, you know, they're just Christian in name. They don't go to worship God. They don't read God's word. They don't pray. They don't, you know, they're, but they're Christian, but they name themselves as Christians, but they have that in their country about Muslims. 
you know, most Muslims, you know, they don't pray. They don't, you know, study the word. They don't go to their, they, they only do what they're obligated to having to do. You know, holy days, they'll do those things. But most Muslims are just Muslim in name. They were born to a Muslim father. Therefore, they are a Muslim. They know this. They can never leave Islam. If they do, <laughs> that puts a target on them, and they could be killed or certainly harassed for doing so. And so when they come, they have this this thing with them. They're Muslim. That's all they know. And when they first arrive, they're glad to be here. They're glad for the freedom. They're glad for the prosperity. They're glad for all the opportunity that is now afforded to them that they certainly did not have in their Muslim country. And so opportunity is before them, and they are seeking to assimilate, learn the language, and do what they have, what's required of them to do, and to succeed in making a new life for themselves. But this two-year window will slip away fast. This is why we, in our, in our ministry, we try to start ESL, English Second Language Classes, because that's the first thing they want to do. They want to learn the language in order for them to get jobs and so on there, learn the English, learn the culture, and they're looking for classes like that that can teach them. And so Christians have a grand opportunity to reach them for Christ if they start ministries like this, and this is what we help with Missions to Muslims with our ministry there. And so, you know, we want to help and encourage you in doing that. But that two-year dilemma will slip away fast. Here's what happens. When they come, all they know is is Islam, uh, the, being a Muslim. Now, when they were in their other country, they were just like everyone else. Everyone else was just like them. They're all Muslim. But now they come to us, and they're now in the minority. Muslims are not the norm. They are a minority. And everywhere they go, they can't get away from that identity. And before, it, was, it wasn't a big thing to them. But now it becomes a big deal. And the longer they're here, they start then associating with people here. And then they're curious, you know, well, tell me what you believe. Tell me why, you know, you're a Muslim and this and the other. And for years and years and years, that never bothered them. Never meant much to them. No one ever asked. No one ever inquired. It never mattered. But now it does matter. And now because it matters and because this image is stuck with them and they're asked questions, they don't know the answers about their faith. They don't know the answers about what they believe. They don't know the answers when they're challenged and so on. So now they are starting to look into their Islamic faith and they never did before. And if we don't reach them in these two years to challenge them, to learn about the true Isa, the Jesus of the Bible, rather than the Isa the Jesus of the Quran, and get them looking into that, if they start studying their identity as a Muslim, and if we don't reach them, they'll start going deeper into their faith and get locked into a new Muslim identity here in the West, in a Muslim community that they actually were trying to get away from. And now they get sucked back in because they're in. so. Imagine you were in this situation. Let's say, let's say you're a non-practicing Christian, like most people who claim to be a Christian. They don't know much about their faith. They don't go to church. They don't read their Bible. They don't even know what salvation really is. And they're now 
uprooted for whatever reason, and they go to a country. Now they're a minority being a Christian. And what sticks out with them, with you, if you were imagining yourself in that situation, you're a Christian every day of your life. You can't get away from that. You're identified as a Christian. Before, you were just like everyone else. Now you're not. And now you're stuck with that, and it causes you maybe to look into why you believe what you believe. And if challenged to bring you from Christian teaching into something different, let's say they get you looking into Islam, you could be converted into something different. Or it will cause you to go into understanding your Christian faith. So that's what's happening to Muslims when they come here. And I call it that two-year dilemma, that we've got two years to reach them. If we don't, they could be sucked deeper into a Islamic uh, background that we may never be able to rescue them from. So pray for these immigrants that are coming. We're getting a host of Afghani Muslims. We're now hearing not 30,000 SIV applicants, but 50,000 SIV special immigrant visas that have been promised to them, and they're going to be cycled through real quickly, and they'll be going through the vetting process. It will take, usually, it can take years. These will take about 12 weeks, and being approved and then put off into the NGOs, the non-government organizations. There are nine of them with 258 offices around the country, and before long, you're going to see 20, 30 Afghani families showing up in your community And you'll not be told or notified beforehand it will happen, and you'll have these people here. And it'll be an opportunity for us to reach them for Christ. That's going to be it for today. Join us again tomorrow at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.